Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for February 27th, 2018. We have a six-game slate to talk about. Not really a lot of value right now and a lot of blowout spots. So I think this is going to be a pretty tough slate. And this might be a decent one to sit out unless something changes by tomorrow. Uh, first game on the slate is the Brooklyn Nets, the Cleveland Cavaliers. This game, Cleveland favored by 11.5 points right now. This is the tail end of a back-to-back for the Nets. They played against the Bulls tonight, and they go into Cleveland tomorrow. So, shortage of rest. Um, If I had to pick a Nets player to roster, it would still be D'Angelo Russell again at 6,900. He struggled tonight. He really didn't have a great game. But still, I think that he's going to be the Nets guy going forward. He's going to lead the team in usage. He's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. He's going to rack up assists. He's probably going to be priced around 8000 or so by the end of the season because that's where he was prior to the knee injury. And also very strong matchup for him against the Cavs. We're not a good defensive team. The other thing to keep an eye on is I think that Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, if he moves back into the starting lineup, would be a good play at 5600 He missed a bunch of time with uh, knee soreness. And he came back tonight, played just 22 minutes. So I'm going to guess he's probably going to be restricted. But if he ends up starting, he was somebody who was priced in the mid to high 6,000 range earlier in the year before getting injured. So he would be a good play if starting also. From the Cavs side of the game, LeBron's just been ridiculous since the trade deadline. I think he's averaging over 60 fantasy points per game. The least amount of fantasy points he scored in any game is 54 since the trade deadline. So 11700 he's a fine guy to pay up for. The issue here is just the blowout risk. And then the rest of the Cavs guys, it's really hard to figure out the minutes. They tend to be really spread out. Uh, George Hill seems to be the one guy who they're willing to give 30-plus minutes to when he's playing decently. So I think that he's the best of the role players, but hard to be confident in any of them. Uh, so Karis LeVert and Rondé Hollis-Jefferson both played about 21 minutes off the bench. And the Nets said after the game that they're both going to play more uh, tomorrow's game against the Cavs. So I think both of them could be good plays. They're both cheaper than what they were at uh, before they got hurt. They probably don't need 30 minutes or so to both be good plays. I think Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, even in a 25 to 30 minute range, is probably a pretty good play. Karis LeVert, maybe 25 minutes. Even at that amount at 4200 I think he's a good play too. And I don't think either of those guys would be impacted by a blowout because I think the Nets just want to get their younger guys' minutes no matter what. So I'm comfortable with them and D'Angelo Russell. I don't know if I would use them all in the same lineup, although stacking them alongside LeBron and hoping the game stays close, I think those would be the three Nets players to use in a game stack. Uh, And then maybe George Hill makes sense along with those guys too. So I think it's more of a Nets game for me. LeBron is a little expensive. And I think George Hill is a decent play at 4,600, but I'd probably want to use him in more of a game stack because Hill is not going to be playing much garbage time, if any. So I think uh, a game stack with Hill and LeBron or just uh, one or two of those three Nets guys. All right, next game here is the Chicago Bulls at the Charlotte Hornets. From the Bulls side of the game, Zach Levine rested Monday night. He's expected to play Tuesday. I think he's a fine guy to pay up for. Uh, Still, once again, we have the blowout is going to be an issue here because the Hornets are favored by 10.5 points. So I think this is another one where it's very risky, but I don't think it has quite as much upside as the Nets. 
Kemba Walker, 8,600, Dwight Howard, 8,400. It's just really expensive pricing for a lot of these guys in what's just a game that I think is going to be tough to stay close. Yeah, I think some of the Hornets are actually priced for the blowout. They seem a little bit cheaper than they've been. Dwight Howard's at 8,400, although I guess part of that is because the minutes have just been lower for him. Nick Batum at 6,300. He's had a couple of pretty good games in a row. But yeah, the blowout is definitely a concern, and guys like Walker and Howard and Batum are not going to be playing garbage time. I think that the 11-point spread, or 10.5, whatever it is now, might even undersell the blowout potential, because the Hornets are probably one of the most underrated teams in the league. They've underperformed against the spread, I think, more than any team in the NBA, except for maybe Cleveland. Uh, And Cleveland, I think that kind of just happened to them because of how overrated they were and how overvalued they were earlier in the year. The Hornets have just underperformed, and I think they are probably a playoff caliber team. I know we've talked about this before, um, and they're priced sort of like an average team. The Bulls have trouble keeping games close against anyone. They just got blown out by the Nets in Brooklyn. This is the second half of a back-to-back, so even though they have Zach Levine, blowout is definitely a concern, and the Bulls are just playing so many guys in their rotation right now that it's just really hard to use anyone, so it's probably just a fade game. All right, so next game on the slate is the Sixers at the Miami Heat. Uh, Skype just crashed on Matt and I, so the magic of editing that nobody even has to know what that happened, except now you know because I just said it. So the Sixers at the Heat, uh, Joel Embiid is at 9400 I think that's a usable price for him, even though this is going to be a down pace game against two pretty good defenses. Something we've talked about before is that Whiteside has historically struggled against big men who could shoot because he doesn't typically like to come outside the paint to defend them. So this is a matchup that Embiid could have success, and he's pressed down to 9400 for the matchup. So I'm good with using him here. Uh, let's see. He played against the Heat earlier in the season. He scored uh, 41 fantasy points. I was just kind of curious if that logic held up for that game. But Embiid's a really high-floor player. He doesn't have too many really bad games unless there's a blowout or like a weird minute situation for him. From the Heat side of the game, uh, I think that Whiteside is an upside-worthy play at 7,200 if Kelly Olynyk sits out. Olynyk missed the last few weeks or so with a sore shoulder if he's out then it's going to be more minutes for Whiteside. but then once again the guard situation for the heat is really hard to navigate they just have so many guys that get minutes now yeah this is a pretty tough game to use players from i think um Embiid makes some sense i think Whiteside makes some sense i think on a bigger slate with better options we would not really consider either of them uh but with limited options maybe You kind of have to use guys like that, but they do feel like a bit of a reach to me. Um, Embiid is kind of just priced where he's always priced, but it's a down-paced game in Miami on the road. The Heat are a good defensive team, and then using a center against Embiid usually doesn't work out very well because of how good he is defensively. Uh, Hassan Whiteside gets a lot of his fantasy points in other ways, so I guess it could work out. Uh, But I definitely think of them as just fringe plays, and then there isn't really anyone else to consider from either team. Well, this is really just the garbage slate as I'm looking forward to the next few games also. Uh, We've got Washington and Milwaukee. Uh, From the Washington side of the game, Kelly Oubre has been playing well recently, getting a ton of minutes off the bench. Uh, Last game, 32 minutes, scored 36 fantasy points. The game four, 15 fantasy points only, but in 31 minutes, and 32 fantasy points in 32 minutes. Playing that kind of minutes off the bench, I think he's a fine play at 4,800. 
it's a tough matchup, but he doesn't have to be some super permanent producer to hit value in 32 minutes, only 4,800. Uh, similar feelings to me towards Markeith Morris at 4,900. I like him for different reasons than Ubre though. Morris probably isn't going to play as many minutes on as as Ubre will on average just because Morris gets into foul trouble so often, except he's a good permanent fantasy producer when he's on the court. So I'd say there's probably more minute stability for Kelly Oubre, which sounds weird because he comes off the bench. But Markeith Morris is probably the higher upside player because he has the potential for a much bigger game if he could stay out of foul trouble. Uh, I generally just don't like to play Bradley Beal or Otto Porter for road games because the issue with all of the Wizards' big three players, John Wall, Bradley Beal, Otto Porter, obviously John Wall's out right now, but all of them have really significant home road splits. So I'm not going to rush them for a tough matchup on the road. From the Bucks side of the game, so just a lot of pricing with Giannis, Bledsoe, Middleton, Henson. And like I don't think any of them are terrible plays, but I don't think any of them are good plays either. Yeah, this is another tough game. It's got a total at 211, which I guess isn't that low, but it's it's not particularly high either. It's a bad matchup for the Wizards. I think I would play Bradley Beal in road games with John Wall out if he was cheaper, but 8,900 is a lot for him. So the Wizards are probably a fade except for some Ubre and some Morris. I think they're okay plays. Um, and then the Bucks, Giannis probably is a little underpriced generally, but this isn't a very good matchup. Um, I think, yeah, like you said, the Bucks are all just fair. So it's kind of the same thing as with Embiid and Whiteside, where it's a bit of a reach to use any of them. I think John Henson at 4700 probably has a good amount of upside for that price. Uh, he's played 35 minutes and 27 minutes in his last two games since he was hurt. And the Wizards have been a little better against centers recently, but they still aren't very good against centers overall. Um, so maybe Henson's a cheaper guy to use because there aren't really a lot of guys in that price range to consider. And I guess there's, there just aren't a lot of guys overall on this slate that stand out. So hopefully we get some injury news to make this more playable. Uh, but I do think that we have one potential stack spot coming up. So I guess we can skip to the last couple of games because this one probably isn't very good. Yeah, well, the last game is such an obvious spot. But just looking at like the point spreads of all the games on the slate, because we basically have the next game is the Kings at Trailblazers. This is another game with a huge spread, 11.5 points. The Kings get blown out a lot, and it's also the tail end of a back-to-back for them. Uh, so we have basically three games that are expected to be close, three games that are expected to be blowouts, and of the one, of, there's only one game with the high over-under of the close game. So that'll be the last game on the slate. But this Kings-Portland game is also it's a tough one because the Kings went back to resting again kind of out of nowhere tonight so uh, it was Zach Randolph and Garrett Temple both sat out Monday night given that those are the guys who sat assuming that the Kings are going to start resting guys it seems very likely to me that Costa Kufis sits for Tuesday night's game so I think that Zach Randolph assuming he's back in the starting lineup we just have to make a lot of assumptions here he would be decent to play at 5900 because he's not going to have to deal with the effects of the rest of a back-to-back and We've seen at times this year the Kings just decide, like, hey, Zach Randolph's playing 35 minutes tonight. And I think that tomorrow is maybe going to be one of those situations since he rested for Monday night's game. So I I think that he's worth taking a chance on at 5,900 just because we have so few other good plays to look at with upside. Um, I think Buddy Heald is in play because he's 
had a number of very good games recently, but only GPP play for Buddy Heald. Uh, Scalabissier also, he started Monday night. Maybe he starts again Tuesday night and Zach Randolph comes off the bench. Uh, but Scal at 4,600, I think, is worth rostering. From the Portland side of the game, I mean, once again, like guys like Damian Lillard, TJ McCollum, they have a lot of upside, but how realistic is it this game stays competitive? I'm not sure. So, yeah, I think you could – I would only use these guys in a game stack. Like you could use Lillard and Nurkic, but I'd probably use them with like Buddy Heald and Zach Randolph or Buddy Heald and Scal together. Well, Zach Randolph, I think, is the guy that makes the most sense for a game stack. Because he's not really going to play that much, probably, if uh, the game isn't close in the second half. I think he will start, like you said. I think he'll play significant minutes in the first half, and then I think he'll stay in if the game's close. But they'll probably go to younger guys like just more Scal and Cauley Stein in the second half if it's a blowout. Uh, so a game stack, I think it would be Nurkic, McCollum, or Lillard, and then Randolph with maybe Buddy Heald, maybe Bogdanovich, maybe Scal too, because he's probably just still too cheap. Uh, I think Scal is the safest of the Kings players, though. He's been playing pretty significant minutes the last few games. He's been pretty good, so I'm comfortable with Scal. And then, yeah, I think I think Zebo is worth a flyer. Okay, final game on the slate. This is the one that's just a very obvious game to target, looking at the spread and the over-under. The LA Clippers at the Denver Nuggets. Denver favored by four points in a game that is a 232.5 point. Over under only half the games on the slate are expected to be competitive, and there aren't that many that are expected to be that high scoring. This one is by far the highest over under on the slate. So I think if you're playing, you load up on this game. Danilo Gallinari is currently questionable. If he plays, then I think he's fine to roster. If he's out, then Tobias Harris gets a boost. He's a little expensive at 7600, but I still think he's usable for game stacks. Uh, Austin Rivers is fine to use because they insist on playing him a lot of minutes. Lou Williams is fine. DeAndre Jordan's a fine target. From the Nuggets side of the game, we have uh, Paul Millsap is questionable to play. My expectation is that Millsap doesn't end up playing. Uh, just a few days ago, Mike Malone said that he expected uh, Paul Millsap to be up for another two to four weeks, and then he just got upgraded to questionable for this game. So given that it was literally two or three days ago, they said he was out for up to four weeks, and now all of a sudden he's questionable. I would put him closer to the doubtful side than probable. Uh, if he does end up playing, then I think 5,200, he makes for an interesting play unless his minutes are going to be capped like 15 or something like that. Like anything 25 plus, there's probably upside in Millsap at 5,200. See, what was his price earlier in the year before getting hurt? He was, yeah, he was priced at 7,200. So Millsap, if he plays, probably in play at 5,200. Uh, if he's out, or even if he does play, I still think Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Will Barton, Nikola Jokic also fine plays. If you're playing the slate, load up on this game. It's the only one that really makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I agree. It's There are a ton of players here that are worth using. If Millsap's out like we expect him to, that's just regular minutes for everyone on Denver. So that's, I guess, a necessary thing for game stacking because Millsap would really cloud the rotation a lot. Uh, and then Gallinari being out would help the game stacks too just because there are more minutes to go around for everyone else. So if we get the news that Gallinari is out before lock, I think I'd feel much better about this slate overall because then it would be easier to just go really heavy on this game. Um, if Gallinari's in, I think it's still a stackable game, but there's so many players to choose from that I'm not really sure how viable it is. Um, and with this being a 10-30 game, is it 10-30 or is it 9th? Yeah, it's a 10-30 game, so 
the odds of us knowing before lock, I guess we don't really know the odds. If there's a shoot around, maybe we'll find out, but there's definitely a chance that we don't find out. Um, so if Gallinari is still to be determined at lock, I don't really know if this slate will be at all playable unless there's some other injury news, but there definitely are intriguing guys in this game. So if there is a game to use, this is, this is definitely the game with a total at over 230 points. All right. So that is going to wrap up today's podcast. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a tough slate, but not everyone's playable. I think we did have a run of just like a lot of good slates in a row. So this will probably be one for me to sit out unless something changes. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at GRMBRDFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at Preaching Sense. We'll be back with what's hopefully a better slate for Wednesday.